And so the story begins with a beautiful, heavenly butterfly named Hallie Grace. Butterflies represent colors, joy, and change, and this story has it all. Hallie Grace was born with a rare genetic connective tissue disorder called junctional epidermolysis bullosa. EB is often called the worst disease you've never heard of. Although her earthly trip was short, her journey continues to fly high. Honey butterfly Welcome to the Grace, Grief, and Grit podcast. I'm Dee Daniels, and very excited to have a special guest with us on this episode. And first, before we get to the guest, I want to bring uh, Joe Davis on with us. Uh, Joe, this is going to be a powerful conversation and right to the heart of of EB and the EB community. Um, We're going to have an opportunity to really shine a light on uh, another great organization, but also, and most importantly, shine a light on a very powerful story uh, coming right from someone who is walking with EB every day. Uh, and I'd love for you to sort of give a little intro, Joe, of, of how you met our guest, uh, Hodges Caldwell Jr., who is the president and CEO of EB Lifestyle and uh, has a great story to tell. Yeah. So I'm super grateful to have met Hodges and I'm really grateful for, for him to agree to be on this podcast and, and share his story. So I first m- met Hodges very recently at the Seattle uh, EBRP summit and he was a guest speaker there along with some other uh, members of the EB community. And he very briefly told some of his story about living with EB and what it was like for him and his experience in just the EB world. And it was, it it was very brief because everybody had a certain amount of time to talk. So we met, I met him, I heard him speak there, just really amazed at what he's been through and really amazed at the, the, the level of perseverance that so many people had with him. And so later the, that, I don't know, it was, might've been that night. We, we were at a pre-show event for the Eddie Vedder show. And I'm just sitting there with Evan because we brought him and I can't really socialize with the little baby. And so he's over there at the food train. And he, anyway, we start talking. And I mentioned uh, about the podcast. He's like, oh, man, let me come over. <laughs> so we just sit there. We chat for a good while. And and he was at the Deborah uh, event just a few weeks later that we were at. So we 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 caught up again uh, there. And he was. Um, uh, he was dressed so well. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he he showed up in a uh, in a velvet um, uh, uh, blazer, and I was like, "Man, that's awesome!" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, this guy's awesome." And, and so anyway, we had a good time uh, talking there. And so yeah, so he's agreed to be on the podcast. So I am I'm very fortunate to introduce uh, Hodges, 
and to have him tell his story because it's it's impressive um, for for what he has been through, what he's doing, and it's he's got a lot he's got a lot to say. So I'm I'm at, I'm really really proud that can can give him a platform to tell a, a story that only so few people get to hear. Oh my God, you guys! I, I hope I live up to the hype. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Joe. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, that was that was a good intro. Yeah, uh, I I knew, um, you know, meeting you. We were at the boathouse. Mm-hmm. You know where they had all those little meats assortments and cheese. Yeah. Cheese. yeah. And we both just wanted some real food, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, uh, I I knew. I knew because, you know, my, the the thing that kept resonating with me, you know, you were telling me about the podcast and everything, but I was just like, I was looking, I would, you know, you were telling me your story and everything. I'm like, why, why are they here? You know, like, like, I just thought that was so like, I'm like, they, you know, so many families could easily say, you know what, this was just a dark chapter in our lives, you know? Uh, but hey, now we got two healthy kids. Let's just, you know, maybe do a memorance every year and just, you know, live our lives. And but you two, by your by choice, chose to still stay connected into the EB community so much so that you actually have a nonprofit dedicated to the loss. Like I, I knew I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I. I want to know more. I want to, you know, I, I want, I want to be involved in anything that they're doing, anything that they can, uh, I could help. So yeah, y'all, as much of an impact as you made on me, um, I may have made on you, you made an equal impact on me. So, yeah. Well, thank you. That means, that, that means a lot to hear from you. So I appreciate yeah. that. I just, will yeah. you take us through your, your story? Um, you've got junctional severe, epidermolysis bullosa if i'm getting that correct and yes i'd love to hear hear and share with our audience um at what point that was known uh that you had that and how your journey started uh, and there's so many so many layers to it including living in a hospital for years um and having so much uh work done to help with what you were walking with and and dealing with and and so many people along the way i'd love you to highlight some of that uh some of that beginning of uh, of your story right yeah so um it's so funny that you said junctional what did you say what what are they calling it now junctional, junctional severe. severe is that junctional severe you're going to hear me a lot say back in my day and I'm not that old, but I'm going to say that a lot. Uh, so back in my day, it was called junctional non-herlix. Um, but yes, I do believe it is called junctional severe. And they're going to have to change that name again because junctional is just so, so complicated. Um, they, you know, they, they find out things almost every quarter. But uh, yeah, junctional severe. I do have junctional severe. So um, my story, I think, what really sets me apart is that, well, number one, uh, so you have to understand, I was born back in, in like the late 70s, early 80s. So back then it was, it was a death sentence. No one knew anything about it. You know, um, I was six months old. Um, and I was, I was born in, uh, 
Portsmouth Naval in Virginia. Uh, D and I are both kind of from Virginia, so that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I was born in Portsmouth Naval, and I was I looked relatively normal. You know, a lot of times in the AB community, you know, people kind of know right off that something's wrong with their you know their children. Uh, my EB didn't manifest itself until I was about six months old. And uh, what happened was I had like a blister on like the right side of my abdomen. And my mom, she, you know, it didn't go away. So my mom, you know, she took me to, you know, the pediatrician and they were like, oh, well, you know, it's, it, you know, he's a newborn, you know, things like this happen. It'll go away. But, um, you know, as... The EB community knows, Joe knows, I'm sure, you know, blisters don't go away with EB. Um, they g- grow bigger. And so that's what uh, basically kept happening. You know, um, the blister just kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, my mom kept taking me back and forth to the hospital. And then when it finally did, you know, burst on its own, it looked like someone maybe had, like my mom said, had taken like an a iron, like an iron. And just like, you know, kind of pressed it up against me. Like it was just big, it was raw, and, you know, it looked like a bird. And, you know, so my mom, you know, she rushed me to the emergency room and, you know, she was like, now if I hadn't been, you know, coming back and forth and being so persistent, y'all would accuse me of child abuse. So, you know, what is going on with my child? And like nobody had any answers for her. You know, and so uh, my biological father at the time, he, he did, he was in the military. So that kind of afforded my mom the luxury of like traveling from like place to place and, you know, trying to get help. So uh, I was officially diagnosed um, about six months later. So almost a year. Um, I was, you know, finally diagnosed um, with it in Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, a doctor, he, I, from what my mom tells me, I, we went to go see him, and he was like really excited. He's like, you know, he, my mom said she she t- he told her something along the lines of, "I have great news and I have really bad news." And so my mom was like, "Okay, so the good news is I know what your son has." And my mom was like, "Okay, well, what's the bad news?" And he's like, "The bad news is I have no clue how to treat this." So, uh, you know, I was officially diagnosed with epidemiolysis bullosa in Bethesda, Maryland, and so uh, from then on. You know, uh, he gave my mom the life expectancy of two. He said, you know, I probably won't survive day to two, uh, which unfortunately are still kind of realistic statistics to this day, um, especially with the junctional uh, subtype of EB. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I was given two. And so my mom just deemed that unacceptable, of course. So we traveled everywhere. Uh, you know, my mom would go to any dermatologist, any specialist that she could. Um, to, you know, just try to get, get uh, information, help, anything. Um, you know, when I was when I was three, we, we kept going back to Bethesda, Maryland. I know my mom said a lot about that because they were the only ones that even knew the diagnosis and was even willing to even tackle anything, you know, challenging. Um, I do know when I was three, they they knew it was kind of like maybe a protein deficiency of some sort, but they they really just didn't know what it was. The technology just wasn't there. So they they put like the placenta from the afterbirth of a woman. They put that on my face and, you know, that kind of worked for a while. But anyway, we, we did that until I was four. And when I was four, um, my mom was kind of like with uh, Deborah at the time was kind of 
like still in its infancy back in like 82 ish. Um, 82, 83, they were still in their infancy. So they were really kind of just a support group back then. And so, but my mother was really close with Arlene, the late Arlene Persaw. And so, you know, she told my mom, hey, I'm I'm hosting this, this thing. I'm getting the best dermatologist. Uh, you know, I'm getting the brightest minds. You know, we're going to meet in Washington. There's going to be a conference at this hotel. Uh, you know, I, I want y'all to come. And, you know, we kind of need help raising money. Too. So, you know, if you want to do a fundraiser, that'd be great. And so I did my first fundraiser for Deborah when I was three. And so 1983 was the first ever Deborah conference is what it's called now. But it was, you know, just a uh, dermatology convention. So um, there, that's when my mom, she met a, a, a team from Rockefeller University in New York. And they were basically like, I can help. We can help. But you're going to have to kind of, you know, move to New York for a little while. Yeah. And uh, so uh, basically we went there. And at that time, my, my face was completely raw and open. Um, I think I showed Joe a picture of it. Did. Um, I was going to say, yeah, I've seen it, I've seen a picture. I've seen that picture. Um, uh, and it's it's pretty unbelievable um, because it had it had then spread to your whole body. Right. So it was completely everything was really happening even on your head and your face and, you know, really affecting your uh, as far as like your eyelids and your nose area and your mouth area, everything was fully, fully affected. Yeah, that that is untreated EB. Like, you know, that and you could just tell it was just really taking over, particularly my face. Uh, the rest of my body, you know, was, you know, kind of I still had healthy skin, but it just was really taking over my face. I couldn't breathe out of my nose um, at all. You know, so we went. um you know, we went, we, you know, my mom and, you know, she had nothing to lose because at that point she was in panic mode, you know, and, um, you know, she, she, we went there, you know, we thought, you know, maybe six months, you know, tops, uh, we, we didn't leave. Oh, uh, like we, like we, we literally didn't leave. We stayed there for like almost a decade. You know, um, I went to school there. They, I had private tutors, everything, because I just had so much sense of work that needed to be done. Um, you know, and um, my my late doctor, uh, Doctor Martin Carter, he, he used the old school German technique uh, for my face. He did a old school skin grafting technique, where they literally, because we're like susceptible to eat, they would take a machine and they would purposely like raise a blister on my arm. They would cut the top layer of that off, take it back to their lab and grow it. And then they placed that skin on my, you know, on, on my face and they wrapped it up in kind of like a big football helmet uh, in hopes that it would give my face or give my, you know, give that part of my body a template of what healthy skin is supposed to be like because my arms were relatively healthy looking. And uh, it, it worked. It, it was a complete success. Um, but it took just six months to do that one procedure. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, after that, you know, um, my mom, you know, she told me, she's like, yeah, um, she called my grandmother and she was just like, yeah, we're going to stay here for a little while. And, uh, the way my mom says it, like, well, how long? And my mom's like, I, I don't know. You know, like, I, I have no clue. But these are the only people that are doing anything and it's actually working. So we're just going to stay there. So, you know, my mom, she she worked. She got a job. And everything. And so we just lived in the hospital and it just, you know, it, it really became home, you know, so 
Uh, my, my childhood was very, very different from other people in the EB community. And, um, but I, I really, I really enjoyed the way I grew up because it was, it was always something going on. Um, and it was just, it was always fun and exciting to me. It was always like a game, like when you're a kid, you don't really, you don't really know what's going on, you know? And, um, I always joke while I was there, I had like, so I've had a nose job. <laughs> so I had no job because they had to do reconstructive surgery on my nose, on my ears. My lip was actually like kind of connected to my nose. So they, they had to do like reconstructive surgery on my on my mouth to some degree. Um, just the whole gamut. Like it took a lot to get this. So um, you know, um, I'm truly grateful that my mom had the courage to just take a leap of faith because that was, you know, I mean, you know, basically a single mom, you know, um, in New York alone with a with a chronically ill child you know, life expectancy, uncertain, like just so many factors, you know, and my mom still say, you know what, we're, we're going to go for it. So, yeah. That's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm thinking too about um, the doctor that you uh, grew so close to and, and just some of the, the medical staff along the way and how they were able to really take everything that was going on with you and, bring it to what can we take from this and, and, and really, you know, grow treatments and try to figure things out. And, and, and for you guys to be able to, you know, be there and like live there and, and just your whole life, you know, a good majority of your uh, early childhood to be in that place where you're constantly getting things done to you. There were so many things going along the way that that I'm sure kind of put you in this place of like, am I going to make it through this? You know, were you thinking that at that time? Was your mom thinking that at that time? Well, no, actually, no, we weren't. Or at least I wasn't. You know, now I, I can't speak to my mom. My mom, you know, probably like I, I would think any any parent you keep, you know, um, you keep being told your child is going to die. Obviously, you know, you're, you know, you're going to think about it. Um, but me as a kid, I really, I really didn't think about it. Um, but, you know, when I was old, when, you know, now that I'm older, I realized being told that constantly did have an effect on me. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm extremely numb to, to death, unfortunately now. Um, you know, uh, just because I was always told I was going to die or, you know, like, uh, a lot of my friends didn't make it, you know, it was a whole program. I wasn't, you know, the only one that they were doing, um, you know, treatments on, it was a whole group of us, um, you know, and, you know, some, some, some of them didn't make it. So I was always kind of constantly surrounded by death. And, you know, now as an adult, as you know, I wasn't thinking about it back then, but it definitely impacted me because I, you know, I very, I. I don't know. I have a very unfortunate cavalier type of attitude towards death. Um, so I kind of gauge like I know if I care about somebody that died by if I just feel any kind of an emotion to it, to, you know, someone passing. That's how I get it. Like, oh, wow, I was really close to that person or I really felt something for that person. So, yeah, it, it definitely had a drawback. But, you know, I think everything does. Yeah. So. As you're speaking, Hodges, I'm I'm actually really curious to know um, at what age did you 
leave the hospital and what were the circumstances that that caused you to leave like yeah I mean, why, why did, I mean, were you forced out or did, was that, you just made a uh, progression? Well, yeah, uh, I would, I, okay. So basically we lived at the hospital at least until I was about eight to 10, I want to okay. say. Because see what happens is when, when you're, and it, I was living in a research hospital. So that's a little different than a quote unquote hospital. You know, uh, the the Rockefeller Research Hospital, it kind of looked like kind of like a hotel a little bit to to a degree. And what would happen is we would actually go across the street for my surgeries to the real hospital, uh, uh, to the to the real hospital. So. um, Basically, when you're in a research hospital and you agree to stay on. They and and everything they're doing is work. They kind of do something called fat. They fast track you. So they put you in anything that they think is going to help EB or anything similar. In that in that whole in that whole realm. So, you know, I'm I'm just getting all these treatments for free, and that we're you know we're you know we're living for free. We got everything. Everything is paid for us. You know, I have private tutors. Um, everything is good, and. It was, I remember it was around, now that I'm really remembering, I th- yeah, I was, I was like nine and a half, ten when we left because they, the, the higher ups, not, not the doctors or the nurses staff, but the higher ups felt that I had reached my peak. Like there was nothing, like I was just kind of uh, plateauing. I was, you know, I was plateauing. And so they would just like, you know, we, we've had like over, you know, five or six years worth of, of steady progress, you know, and plus I was getting older, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was getting older. And um, another big concern was that I wasn't uh, socialized enough hmm. to a degree. Like my, my friends were adults and, and doctors and I was going into, you know, on the seventh floor, I was always in the laboratory. And all all of that is cool, you know, watching your skin cells grow and learn and all, all that is cool. But, you know, they would, uh, you know, they would take me out, you know, my teacher, my tutors would take me out to field trips to like, you know, museums and stuff. And I did not really know how to interact with kids, like just regular kids my age. You know, they're, you know, they're playing with Transformers and G.I. Joe's and, you know, things like that. And I'm you know, like, oh, you know, I saw my skin grow or, you know, they, you know, I, they, they found this on my blood. You know, I was, you know, I was, right. I was kind of an awkward kid. So, um, so uh, that was a real concern for the, you know, the, the, the higher ups that I wasn't, um, I, you know, that I needed to be with some kids, be in a public school, get that experience, you know, and so the compromise was uh every year i just go back so uh you know it, it well actually from what my mom says it was either you know we go back home to virginia or they wanted to help me like maybe find a place in new york like find, find an apartment in new york my mother found an apartment in new york and i just go to public school something along those lines and so you know my um 
everyone, everyone back home from what my mom said, they were just screaming like, he needs to be for family. So my mom was like, okay, he probably doesn't need to be for family because I didn't know any of my family, really. Uh, so we went back home to Virginia. And so, but every year, every summer, we went back to New York because that's where all my doctors were. And, you know, and so would, you would yeah, stay the so, summer in New York? Stay the summer in New York every year. Okay. Yeah. And so we did that until I was 16. And the only reason we stopped that is because my doctor died. Uh, and, and, and that's the only reason. So, you know, New York always felt more like home than Virginia did. Because even though I came back to Virginia, I'm always, I'm just counting down the, the like, oh, because like, oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to New York. You know, that just sounds cool. Like, where you doing? I'm going to New York. And like, how long? The whole summer. Like, the whole summer. I'm just being in New York. And so, you know, um, yeah, 16, my, oh, yeah, 16, my doctor died. And so um, when anything in the research, you know, if there's not enough need or enough interest in it dr die he it just all the research just kind of sits on the shelf and that's what happened so you know rockefeller kind of died out that's when stanford kind of started like getting my name for themselves and taking over and everything but you know at 16 i was just kind of done anyways and i just kind of i was i was a, like a real teenager and right. i just kind of just wanted to you know if, if i wasn't going to be in new york then i just didn't want to be bothered with anything else and I just kind of just wanted to, you know, do freshman year in high school and just do a high, the whole high school thing. So I didn't. Did, I was going to ask you, Hodges, about your your doctor passing away. I I was reading um, some of your story and and how powerful that was that relationship that you had with your doctor because you basically grew up. Um, with your doctor as a almost a, a father figure in your life, you were there so much, so much of your childhood spent there, and that must have really, really struck you when he passed away, and and you know you're you're growing up and going into the next stage of your life. What was that process like? How did that affect you? Um, it was really, really hard. I, I went into a really I went to a deep depression on it um, simply because, you know, right before he died, like, you know, he, he was getting all these things ready. You know, he, um, you know, he wanted to uh, take us to Japan because, you know, he's like in Japan, they're doing all these things, you know, all these things with, you know, skincare. They have a really big EB population over there, um, you know, and um you know, this is the man I, I I grew up with. My biological father, he left when I was four. You know, he he literally left when we were in Rockefeller. Like, he stuck around until we he felt like we got, we were settled or we had somewhere that was actually going to help. Then he kind of dipped out. So, you know, for a good chunk of my life, he, Dr. Carter was like a father figure in my life. And he would take us out to like, we were always going out to eat, him and his family. We would take us to opera, which is why. Like I listen to opera still to this day, um, you know. So uh, you know, but uh, my mom had remarried, uh, uh, you know, to you know my 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 father. I call him my father, you know, and he you know he really stepped up. But yeah, when when Doctor Carter died, it was it was it was a very dark time for me because I knew because of the way I grew up and I seen how this worked. I knew there wasn't going to be anything. That's what's going to happen for EB for a really long time. And I knew that. And so it was just, um, 
it was really bittersweet, um, you know, because I, I knew what was coming more, I think, more so than my mom knew, you know. I knew we were just, you know, just going to just be idle for a while. So I, I, I had already instantly made up in my mind, I'm just going to live my life until somebody, you know, picks up the picks up the torch and does something, you know, else. When when do you feel like, um, you know, because. I'm, I'm thinking of the timeline that you're talking about, and that was when you were 16 that that happened. Mm-hmm. And right. how old are you now, Hodges? 44. 44. When do you think someone picked up the torch after that? Um, like really picked up the torch or like, like because I mean, a couple of people tried or, or, you know, they were doing things. Uh, we got a lot of invitations to uh, North Carolina. We got invitations to Cincinnati and Cincinnati is good. That's a good EB clinic. Um, but I just didn't, it was just more of we your legacy is deep. We want to like examine you, but we don't have anything new, you know. Um, not to mention we I was I still did try my mom and I we did still try to stay connected to the EB community. Uh we were on something called the EB registry. And so that's that's basically what the 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 EB lounge on Facebook is today. It was just old school. So it, we were like we were at the top of a very short list of like experts to call if you had any questions. You 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 know you you were a new parent with EB and everything. And so we had um, I had two children die on me, and you, you know uh, when I was so so it was it was a really it was it was a really two punch combo. Sixteen, my doctor dies. Seventeen, um, I had one of my kids die on me, and uh, it was. I was, I was very, I was very confident, almost to the point arrogant about EB at, when I was younger, and uh, I really felt like I knew everything, and if people follow my advice, they were going to live. Like, like, like I, I said that several times. You do what I say, or my mom say, you'll, you'll live because I live. So surely, you know, it's got to work. Um, and for the majority part, it did. But one kid died on me when I was 17, but I blamed the parents, which was a horrible thing for me to do. Um, but I blamed them because they didn't do everything that we said. And, you know, they, you know, they did stuff that, you know, we blatantly said don't. Do. So anyway, so I so that was an easy blame. Like, um, they, you know, they, you know, their fault. Um, but uh, the last one, when I was 18, I'll never forget it. Um, oh, my God. His, his name was John and he was from West Virginia. His accent was so thick, I couldn't even, I, I was, I think I was, I understood like every third word the kid said. Um, and I mean, just adorable, yeah, just adorable five-year-old. Um, and my mom and I, we got really close, we got really attached. And uh, they, I mean, they they, they followed everything we, they, we said to a T. And, you know, and it was working and everything was going good. And, you know, he was five. And, you know, at at the time, you know, I, I, I kind of felt like if you made it past like like five or six or seven, like, you you know, you were you were you were good. You you know, you're going to live. Um, but, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, he died. And uh, my mom, I kind of knew because we we used to talk to them at least like once a week. And then uh, everything just stopped, you know, and 
you know, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm under, you know, what's happening. But, you know, I'm in high school and, you know, I'm like, you know, like just being a regular kid. So, you know, the time is kind of getting by on me. And my mom's like, it's been a while. I think he, you know, I, you know, I, I think John's, you know, might have passed away and the parents just don't want to say, I'm like, nah, nah, they're, you know, not like, nah. And uh, then sure enough, um, the second mom, they, you know, called and, you know, they, they told us he had passed and I just, I lost it. Like, it was just so, like, I couldn't believe it. You know, um, he had just had a birthday. He was doing good. I had just talked to him. Uh, you know, this is a six-year-old kid. And I'm just like, I, it was a, it was a, it was a hard lesson that I needed to learn. Like, sometimes you can do everything right and EB just doesn't work out. You know, like, you can do everything right. You know, and EB just doesn't work out. So after that, I just, you know, it was just so much loss. I just kind of walked away from the EB community. But getting back to your question, um, from my, my, which is why I was saying no to everybody, because I just didn't want to, you know, I said no to Cincinnati. I said no to, you know, North Carolina Clinic. And those are like excellent clinics. I just, you know, I was just so numb and I was just so cut off and I was just, you know, didn't want anything to do with really EB at all. But uh, I really would say 2000. 15 is when um I felt like I, I start hearing chatters, you know, and and you know, and Facebook was really out. So, you know, there was there was a whole thing going on. And uh, all I kept hearing, I kept seeing YouTube videos, you know, Stanford's doing this, Stanford's doing that, Stanford, 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 Stanford. And I'm like, okay, because my mom always taught me, no matter where it is, you go to where the, you know the technology is. So um, in 2015, I felt like the technology had finally caught up to to the uh, to the industry to where like things were really starting to pick up and happen in the EB community. So I I came I, I decided to you know kind of come back um, after like a 20 year hiatus. <laughs> so um, but yeah, definitely. 20, 2015 was that that's that's really when things started to pick up so you mentioned something just now that i i i actually relate to and it's this sense of arrogance about eb mm -hmm. because um there's a part of me that when we were pregnant with evan and we didn't know if he had EB yet, and he, which he doesn't. We did, so we we were in limbo because we had to wait a certain amount of time before the the amniocentesis could be done to know what his genetic profile is. And there's a part of me that says, "All right, if 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 he has EB, that's okay. We know exactly what it is, mm -hmm. and we have experience." We're going to do better. We're going to do better and we're going to fight it and we're going to win. Right. And then I've also had thoughts of, you know, and this is kind of terrible, but, you know, you know, maybe there will be an EB family nearby. Right. And then we can, you know, swoop in with our own very limited three months and three days knowledge of EB and like, make it right like a do-over because of what we went through and and I, I don't know when this happened but at some point it was 
very evident to me. And I was like, that that's just that's just crazy talk. Because that's- Yeah, but I, I think that's real though, Joe, because like I think we as guys, we 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 like to win. You know, yeah, it, it, yeah you know, like yeah, like like yeah, like I, yeah. There's there's a problem, I'm gonna solve it right now. Right, I'm yeah. That, I'm gonna figure it out. <laughs> right. You're gonna we're gonna figure it out, we're gonna tough it out, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make this work. We're gonna we're gonna redeem ourselves. We're always looking for a win or redemption. Uh, I don't think that was wrong. I just think that was that's just you know that's that just shows how compassionate that you are that you actually wanted to help. With your limited knowledge, you figure at least you know more than someone who don't knows nothing, right? Well, yes, that that is that is correct. No matter how limited my experience is, if you have a child who just was born with EB, particularly if it's right. junctional, I do have a little bit more information, um, albeit it's very brief. But but yeah, but yeah, for a while, I was just I was ready to just let's do this again. Let's try. Let's like like we can we can beat this, and right. um, and that was it was. So I I under I, that your perspective was actually was something that was really interesting to hear because it because I I could relate in a little bit to that to that perspective of uh, of areas and for you in, in my opinion it makes total sense to have that viewpoint because you know there was still a lot that was unknown about EB still right so if you if you made it this is what we did. And it worked for us. It has to work for other people, only because the knowledge of EB was still not was not where it is today. And, and we, yeah, all, exactly. we all know that it's all cases of EB are different. Like you said, you can do everything perfect, and it still doesn't work because that's how diabolical EB is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so it was a heartbreaking but very valuable learning lesson, and that changed me. I I always I changed up everything after that. After uh, after John died, I, I changed everything. I changed how I looked at it. I changed, you know, my attitude. You know, like you mm-hmm. know, and uh, you know, I I never judged anybody anymore because I used to do that a lot too. Like if you were a parent with EB, I judged you a lot. Or if I didn't think you were doing something right, I judged you a lot. Like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. My way is the best way. And right. you know, with EB, that's just that is just not true. That is just not true. Your way is not the best way. Your way is the best way for you. Right. A million different ways to treat this condition, you know. And no two people are going to do it exactly the same, you know. So. You know, I you know, I just say now. I, all I say now is, this is what worked for me. It might work for you, you know, or this is what has worked for some of my friends. This might work for you because I try. I always try to like if something's presented to me, I always try to try it so I can say this didn't work for me. I tried it. It didn't work for me, but it might work for you. I I do that a lot. You know, I. I do that a lot because, you know, um, you know, I was raised really, really differently than the EB community. I, I found that out really, really quickly when I, you know, went back to the EB community. I, I realized 
I, I thought everybody grew up in a hospital. I thought, you know, I thought everybody, you know, know lived in a hospital. Have, uh, like, I thought everybody grew up the same way. And they, they didn't. Most of them grew up, you know, pretty normally. So, yeah, when I when I got back to the EB community, it was just like it was it was really it was really shocking. But I I learned very quickly like there's a million different ways to treat this. There's a million different ways it can go wrong. There's a million different anything. So never say this is the only way to do it because that's just crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, what was your transition like? From the from from being released from the hospital to, I guess you know normal childhood. Oh, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I cried all the time. I didn't want to go to school. The kids made fun of me. You know, um, I definitely wasn't used to that at all. You know, like like you know, um, it's like 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 why are we here? You know, like. Right. like like, like, why am I here? Like, I'm, you know, and you know, like, jeez, uh, it just, it just was not, it was just not the move for me, you know. Um, now I will say things, things got a little bit better when I got to like first grade, you know, um, and you like, you know, people kind of knew me, and but I still felt, I just felt so, I just felt so outcast. I felt so, I just couldn't relate to anything. You know, like it was, it was just so. It was. I had a really rough go of it in elementary school. Just put it that way, a really rough yeah. go of it. Um, it wasn't until I was like in middle school when I like actually started enjoying school. You know, like seventh, eighth grade. You know, um, but man, elementary school was torture. Like all, I, I, I hated it. I hated it. I hated. I hated. I hated not having the full attention of my teacher. You know, like, like I was like, like I had to share, and I wasn't, I wasn't used to oh. sharing. You know, like I wasn't used to sharing. I wasn't used to having to wait in line. I wasn't used to having to put my hand up to go to the bathroom. Like I wasn't used to any of that. Like the the whole conformity just seemed ridiculous. You got to use the bathroom. You go to the bathroom and you come back because that's what my tutors. You know, like right. Who would come back? <laughs> <laughs> You know, like that's what I mean. I'm just like it was just so stupid. Everything just made no sense to me because I just grew up so differently, you know. And I, I, ugh, Jesus, yeah, I hate it. I hate it. Elementary school, but I started having fun, and I started having fun in middle school. Middle school was good, so that was definitely the transitional period. Period. All, 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 all through. Um, all elementary school just sucked. <laughs> All elementary I, school. Did, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Well, uh, did did you feel that through through all of your school, did you feel if any of uh, of your peers or friends like under obviously they can't understand what it is to have EB or what it is that you actually go through on a day to day basis? But did you have anybody that try to understand you and your and what you were going through with EB? Um no, no. That the, the short answer to that is no. I, I never had like a friend that like was super um oh my God, you have EB. 
let, like I want to learn about that or or I want to you know know about that. For me, it was um, it was more of oh, there's nothing really wrong with you. You know, you're kind of cool. There's nothing wrong with you. You can you know come you know you're my friend. You know, okay. but you know, and they just knew oh you know, we can't hit them or we can't tackle them playing football or, or whatever because the skin was going to tear. Nobody really knew what I had or if they, if anybody asked, they would just say something, you know, really basic, like, oh, he has a skin problem or, you know, something, something basic like that. No one ever really took an interest, you know, ever, you know, not in, in high school, um, ever. Yeah, no, no, ever. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I look at some of the things that, that you've said, and I think about your timeline Hodges and I, I, I've seen that you've said you wouldn't change how you grew up and where you were and the time that you spent in the hospital and the people that you were with, you wouldn't change that. And that, that seems from this side just kind of mind blowing. And, and I'm curious as to how you have gotten to this place where you're, you're saying this made me who I am today and how you are now such a gift to the EB community in such a positive way. How, how did you get there? And where does that inspiration and that drive come from? Definitely my mother. You know, um, that it, my my mom just really, you know, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't like normal EB parents. You know, I feel I feel in general and I, I want to make that really general because everybody's different. But I feel like in general, most EB parents just want their child to have a normal life. I think in general, that's a fair statement. Um, my mother kind of instilled in me that this was my job. This was my job to educate, to put your body on the line for the betterment of the EB community. Because back in my day, there I go, back in my day. But back in my day, you know, I mean, I mean, it was it was bad. Like, you know, kids were dying left and right. Um, you know, um, but definitely my mother, she just instilled in me, this was my job. This was my, this was my purpose. This was what, you know, it was only about EB. And it's really funny because I have EB friends, you know, and like sometimes we could be out somewhere and somebody, you know, I mean, okay, yeah, we look different, you know. And so, you know, somebody might be like, oh, what happened to you or something like that. Some of them might, you know, they might say something like slick, you know, or or sarcastic, like, oh, I was, you know, I was mauled by a gorilla or, you know, something, you know, something, some, something, something stupid, you know, like something crazy. And I never can do that. And they're always like, do you explain what EB is every time? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why? I'm like, because that's how I was raised my mother raised me to like educate like that's my like that's what i'm supposed to do like i'm gonna give you an eb card this is what eb is i'm gonna give you like the, the brief i'm you know don't act interested because then i'll go into a full you know <laughs> you know but but really my mother really my mother my mother really just 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 kind of you know whether she 
meant to do it or not, you know, um, this was this was what I was supposed to do. Like this, you know, this was what I was supposed to do. And so, yeah, it, it was just always instilled in me. This is what you're supposed to do. You're always as a kid, always be willing under the right circumstances. As long as it's not going to affect your EB too much, put your body on the line. Do the research. Do the thing. This is the process to find a cure, because that's what it was all driven towards: a cure. This is all for the cure. So, yeah, so definitely my mother. That's amazing. Um, and, 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 you know, you've taken that obviously very seriously. You are, you are one of the ones that have picked up the torch to, you know, continue to carry and, and educate and, and inspire and all the things. And I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about EB lifestyle, um, because that's, that's again, you know, yet another avenue where you've uh, you've really picking up the torch. Yeah. So EB lifestyle is um, a couple of things happened uh, to for EB lifestyle to happen. A few things happened in my life. Um, the the first thing that happened was I lost my ability to walk when I was uh, in my early early thirties. I think I was like thirty one, thirty two. Um, I lost my ability to walk. Uh, it was just too painful, uh, to, to walk anymore. And I was actually kind of low key. I was kind of stuck in the house for like over a year. Nobody kind of noticed, <laughs> but <sighs> I was kinda, yeah, like I was, I was literally kind of halfway stuck in the house for like a year, uh, just cause it was just too painful to, you know, go anywhere or do anything. And so, um, when I finally, when my, when my pride I swallowed, finally swallowed my pride and realized I needed like a, a wheelchair of some sort. I was determined to get something that was going to fit my lifestyle because I was, you know, I, I travel, I do all of this. I'm like, I'm not going to have like some dorky wheelchair. So, um, you know, I did a lot of research and uh, I mean, Joe, you know, he saw, you know, the wheelchair or the scooter that I uh, I have. And so um, it was the same model I, I went and I uh, I I applied for it through Social Security. I got denied. I applied for it again. I got denied. And then um, the third time I, I appealed for it, it was kind of like with a um, like a jury or like you know like some experts. And I got to explain EB and how this was like you know no like a necessity. La la la. You know. And I was really really I was really confident that I was you know they were going to approve me and. So I, but I guess I did too good of, a, I guess I did too good of a job, because their little words to me by it, they were like, "Call well, we appreciate your passion. However, this is considered a luxury item, and we're just not gonna approve it. Like we're just not gonna approve it. Like, wow. like that's literally, yeah. Like every rebuttal that they gave me, I had a counter for until they finally just said, "We're just not gonna approve it because it's a luxury item." And so that didn't, you know, that, that, I didn't accept that at all. So uh, that was the first thing uh, that happened. And so I had to pay for, you know, I had to pay for the scooter out of pocket, but, you know, I made payments on it and, you know, but um, the second thing that happened was I I wanted to do a fundraiser. Uh, so I wanted to do a fundraiser and I, you know, I was playing around with like t-shirt designs and, you know, things like that. Um, I, I kind of went to school for like graphic arts a little bit. 
Um, and so, you know, I was playing around with a t-shirt design and I knew I was, I knew I wanted to make a company, but at the time I wasn't really sure what I was doing or where I was going for it. I just knew I wanted to do a fundraiser and kind of make a company that like had EB involved in it somehow, but I just had no idea. So I was in, I never forget 2019. I was, I went to California for a clinical trial. And um, one of one of my friends uh, that I knew only on Facebook, she reached out to me. Her name was Vanessa. And she reached out to me and she was like, oh, uh, I see you on Facebook. I see you in Cali. Uh, I want to meet you and everything. And it was like the second to the last day. And I was like, OK, yeah, sure. I'm, you know, I'm leaving tomorrow. But, yeah, if you, you know, you want to come out, you know, it's cool. And um, and I did not have a great time in L.A on that trip by the way like i like yeah like i had gotten into like like a verbal argument with some people on the street that were like being like really rude they were like blocking the uh the sidewalk where like for the wheelchair thing and uh -huh. i asked them to move and they were just like like real hollywoodish and so like i, I literally i literally got into a verbal confrontation like and so i was you know and a lot of little nitpicky things happened so i wasn't really in the mood for you know but i knew her and i'm like okay she's willing to you know you know drive all the way out like you know what could hurt so we met up and we just instantly bond we just instantly made a connection and um you know we were we were eating lunch and i'm like i'm like spinning out all these ideas like yeah you know i'm working on this t-shirt design and i want to do a fundraiser and i want to do this i want to do that and so she literally said oh well you need to you know make a nonprofit." And I was like, I have no idea how to do that. I'm not like a nonprofit, you know, that's for rich people that already have money, you know. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I had a lot of preconceived notions, but she was like, you know, I'll, I'll you know, I'll help you. Because uh, come to find out, she had her own nonprofit. Oh, wow. Yeah, she had partnered with uh, another girl with EB and they had kind of like a camp um, and they uh, kind of uh, ran it together uh, for like eight years. And then unfortunately, when I believe her name was Jamie, when she you know passed away, her husband, who was a lawyer for the nonprofit, kind of just gave it to uh, Vanessa. So she had a lot of experience in nonprofits. And so, uh, yeah, so uh, we, uh, you know, it was it was a lot of um, it was a lot of trial and error. But yeah, in 20. Uh, 2020, and we did all of this during COVID too, by the way. So, um, in 2020, uh, I, I officially filed for, and I think tw late 2020 or 2021, we were officially established as um, as a 501c3 nonprofit. And today, I just checked on Candid Guide Star. Candid Guide Star is like the national EB registry. I mean, not EB registry, but the national nonprofit registry. So everybody that has a nonprofit has to kind of register on uh, Guide Star. And so we just got our gold transparency. So, wow. yeah. So we, we just got that today because I kept getting, I had been in Joe knows like, um, the end of the end of October and uh, the beginning of September was crazy because it was like back to back. It was the the EBRP thing in Seattle and then Deborah in, in Atlanta. So I kept getting these emails from them saying, oh, remember the hit submit or oh, remember to publish. And I just kept ignoring it. 
until today. <laughs> like it, like it, like they had sent me another email. I'm like, okay, what did they like? What what do y'all want? Like, what what do I like? Like what what what's going on? What did I violate now? <laughs> and so it was, it was it was literally to say, oh, you you reach gold transparency. I'm like, ah, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, and on there it's, it's 2021, but I really think we got, I know we got our 501c, um, established, I think in 2020, but I don't think it kicked in until 2021. But, uh, yeah, so I was really, um, I'm really proud of that, you know, um, because there's not, I take that back. There's only one other like organization that is kind of ran by someone with EB. To a certain to a certain extent, to a certain extent, I know her family helps her out a lot, but um, you know, really, there's no one really with EB that has like a nonprofit for the EB community. So I'm really, I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of my volunteers. I'm really proud of my team uh, because you know I don't do it alone. I do a lot of it by myself, but you know, I always have help. I always have people to come in and step in and you know give advice or you know their expertise on things. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of our EB lifestyle and our mission. So, um, Hodges, just so everyone's clear, what is it that you do with EB lifestyle? Right. So, um, because I lost my ability to walk and I feel like, you know, mobility is, is, is the start of any, anything with the EB community, especially because if you're not mobile, you're not going to be able to socialize. You're not going to be able to go out. You're not going to be able to just do things, you know. Um, but then on the other side, you can't you 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 can't have just a big 500, 300 pound wheelchair, you know. That's not portable. It's not lightweight. So what we do is we donate lightweight portable mobility aids to the EB community. So we donate lightweight scooters, lightweight uh, chairs to the EB community, the heaviest, um, the heaviest thing that I would donate only weighs about 58 to 60 pounds. Um, and what happens is anybody can easily fold it up and put it in a standard trunk of car, a caregiver, a mother, you know, can easily just fold it up, put it in a trunk of, you know, a compact car and off they go. Because without that, when you, you know, the insurance companies, they, They'll approve a 300-pound big kind of gaudy wheelchair, but you need a mobile, uh, accessible mobility van to be able to easily be able to be transported. Because I think once those chairs do break down, but I think like the lightest piece weighs 40 pounds. And, you know, that's just not realistic, you know, and friends and family, they say they'll help and everything, but that gets old quick. And then... Slowly but surely, you stop getting invited to things. Slowly but surely, people stop calling, inviting you out. And then you don't want to be a burden. So you stop reaching out. Because these are all the things that happened to me. Because right. I had to take that big 300-pound chair. Because that's all I had until I could, you know, afford to get the one that I had. So those are the things that happen. You know, and those are the things that happen to everybody in the EB community. So... You know, um, it's not an it's, it's not a luxury item by any stretch or means. It's a, it, for somebody like us, it's a necessity. But what I'm also finding is it's not just the EB community; it's everybody. 
MLS. Um, you know, I, I I met somebody and you know I was I I literally stalked them because they had a they, they had a model they had a model of a chair that I've been wanting to to put in my rotation, but I never wanted to do it because they were big. And I, we were, it was coming from Atlanta, Joe. Uh, I saw, I saw this woman and I recognized the model, but it was so small and compact. I literally stalked her. I followed her all the way to Arby's. She was, <laughs> I, followed all the way to, I followed her all the way to Arby's. And I'm like, is that a wheel? She was I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but what model is that? And she's like, it's a model, model F. I'm like, Thank you. I'm like, because of you, I'm like, I'm not a psycho. I have a nonprofit. I gave her a business card and everything. And her exact words to me was, do you do it for MLS? Because this, I, uh, we, we were going back to Virginia. So she lived in Virginia. She was a lawyer. And her mom was literally saying exactly what I just said. They had to buy that out of pocket. And the mom likes it because she, she's a small woman and she can just fold it up, put it in the, in the trunk of the car, in the backseat and go and i'm like oh my god that's literally my mission statement so i'm i'm considering like like widening it because i think you know i think it's it's uh, like eb is always going to be the core but i think it might be bigger than eb you know i'm almost positive that it is you know mobility no matter if you have eb mls or you know scolio whatever you got going on that hinders you from 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 being mobile um the the story is always the same the insurance company want to give you a big 300 pound chair that's not feasible you don't go anywhere you're trapped in your house the story is the same the story is the exact same so yeah how how many chairs have you donated we just donated our eighth one uh i just that was at the beginning of this month right yeah i literally just got back yeah uh december uh we did i did that december the first so yeah that was our that, that was our eighth one and um, shout out to Katie if she listens. But uh, yeah, I, I donated it to um, one. Uh, she, we she went to camp. She was a camp. I volunteer at a summer camp um, every year uh, for kids with skin uh, disabilities. Right? And EB is like one of the larger groups there. And so she was there because she has EB. And uh, I was a counselor. She was there. And so we live in Williams. She lives in Williamsburg. So our families knew each other. And so she she came down for a visit and we were just having lunch casually. And she was like, yeah, you know, I'm having a real hard time getting on campus. You know, this is my last year. I'm like, you know, I have a nonprofit that like solved that exact problem. <laughs> She's like, oh, my goodness, I completely forgot. I'm like, oh, my God. And so uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll donate it to you. And so she was just so happy about it. She got her whole school involved. So like. Her whole school is involved. She it was really close with the women's basketball team, so they're gonna we're gonna do a fundraiser in February there, and awesome. uh, yeah, and so I want to try to present a scooter like when we do that too at the game too. But uh, as of right now, we've done eight. Okay, that's amazing. Oh, eight three years. Yeah, yeah, eight and three years. Yeah, yeah. That's that's absolutely amazing. EBLifestyle.org is the website. Um, and I know after, you know, hearing the mission and certainly your story, so many people will probably want to go and check it out. Um, and and you can certainly see everything that's going on there with EB Lifestyle. 
Um, and you just type in the letter E, then B, then lifestyle.org. And of course, we'll have links in the show notes uh, that people can easily donate and, and help everything out. You know, Joe, we were just talking um, a few episodes ago about how important it is for all of these um, nonprofits and people that are, you know, really in the EB community trying to have their own islands of organizations where they can help. How important it is that everybody has their own piece of like, helping this community in a certain way. And that, you know, Hodges is, is obviously a walking, uh, you know, in his journey, a testament to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we all have our little niche, I guess you could say, you know, there's, you know, Deborah and EBRP are, are the really big ones and they have their specialties, you know, and, and Hodges, um, it, 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 when you, when you don't have a disability, you don't know, what's needed and uh it, it honestly wasn't until i met hodges where i didn't realize how valuable mobility is and and how valuable it and how well how necessary it is right and that's just something that kind of goes over my head because i i don't have to live it and 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 you need to have your eyes open sometimes to, to understand. And, you know, there's, you know, the camps that Hodges participates in and the other camps uh, for for EB uh, are all nonprofits. And, you know, they fill a valuable role uh, as well. And, you know, the, the little niche operation that we got going on with Heroes for Holly Grace, you, you know, we're, we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to support uh, a community that desperately needs it that needs help that needs um treatment that, that needs a cure um and so anything that anybody wants to do to support any facet of ed is is always helpful yeah and just like what joe said you know um you got ebrp you know, they uh they primarily just do research. You know, mm -hmm. they 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 focus on research only. But they funded me. They they gave me they gave me a grant. You know, and they they certainly didn't have to do that. You know, and I'm you know eternally grateful that you know they 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 took a chance to go outside of their you know of their norm to you know sponsor. Uh. You know me because they, you know, Michael, uh, Michael literally said, you know, we, you know, we don't really have the infrastructure or the, you know, kind of the, the means or the time to do it, but you do. So we're going to sponsor you, you know, and uh, I mean, and, I mean, Deborah, Deborah is, you know, Deborah is, is the franchise, you know, there's a Deborah everywhere, you know, there's a Deborah Canada, there's a Deborah, you know, uh, Spain, Mexico, uh, there's a Deborah Japan, De De Deborah is everywhere. And so, um, everybody plays their role, you know, um, I think there's a, there up until the Haley Grace Foundation, there wasn't really, uh, an organization that focused on just the lost, which is like really blows my mind because like all EV is, is lost, you know, <laughs> um, but it's almost, dare I say, almost even taboo to speak about it like you don't like in the eb community you don't want to speak about death even though death is so pre prevalent i mean in it, our lives. 
I mean, that's not the EV, that's not just the EV community. In my experience, it is mm. uh, just our culture that we don't want to talk about. It's uncomfortable for everybody. And um, so it's, it's not, it's just not the culture. And, you know, um, we were talking with uh, uh, Brett of Deborah uh, at the, at last year's um, Deborah convention. And um, we mentioned that to him about, you know, we put, together these memorial packages and he he made a comment about you know that was something that they were they, they had thought about doing it but it was um trying to get the right people involved and and everything it was i think it was just a, a, a for them i think it was just too much for them to want to get involved it was just they, they they're so focused on other things it has to be so personalized they just don't have the time to do that and that's and that's fine you know and but but yeah loss is just a part of it and no one wants to feel that their child is forgotten in any way um and and that's what and that's what we do and and that's why we want to do it because we We've mentioned this so many times. We we had so many people send us so many things when Hallie died that just meant so much to us that if it meant that much to us, how much is it going to mean to other people who may not have the same kind of support? So yeah, and I, I just I, I really commend y'all for wanting to do that because that, that is such a it's a tricky thing because emotions are involved and you know yes. you know emotion that, that that is an emotional thing that you do but also that i feel like what you do is part of the healing of the grieving process like that helps them get the the you the boxes that you do i think that is can be helpful because they have to send you you know they have to send you the personal items and they have to send you these things and i think that in some way helps the grieving it and it, it, it's part of ther- it's like therapy almost mm-hmm. you know it, it's like y'all are are doing a double service you're honoring and then you're providing almost a therapeutic service to the individual that suffered such a great loss that's so yeah. true yeah and we talk about that joe you know a lot too on, on leaning in <laughs> to these conversations and how you know that in itself is also therapeutic for a lot of a lot of people and to to really hear people have that raw conversation um we've gotten a lot of feedback about that you know just um how how healing that can be to say oh gosh i'm glad they finally said that i'm glad I, somebody's talking about that i felt that when i went through a loss and and you're right it goes beyond just like uh with hodges you know it goes beyond EB it goes it goes into other communities that experience loss and that experience um you know things not just in the grief department of of losing a life but also losing mobility and you know losing things losing part of a childhood losing um you know whatever the case may be there's a lot of loss in in other other things as well um before we wrap up, anything that uh, that you'd like to to add, Joe or, or Hodges, that we might have missed? I'm so grateful to know you, Hodges. 
Oh, wow. Just, dude. just I mean, it's, um, you know, with, with the thing with EB is that when you meet people and because of how rare it is, you, you're spread out all over the place. And uh, it's just, I, I, I wish that we could be a little bit closer because, um, because, because you're fun. You're fun. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and so I, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you can, maybe you can send me a velvet uh, laser. Uh. Ever, yeah, I, got, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got connections. I'll hook you up. <laughs> I'll hook you up with one. But yeah, no, Joe, I really, um, like I said, when, when we had that conversation at the, you know, at the boathouse, I was like, yes, I, I, I like these people. I like, you know, and I really gravitated toward you because, you know, um, there's not a lot of fathers that, you know, kind of, even if they're around, they're not active, you know, like, and, and things like that. And I just thought that you, I could tell that you were really on hands on. I could tell that you really cared. And, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy our conversation. You let me, you let me ramble. <laughs> but i can tell you really are interested in what i have to say a lot of times people think you know oh my god this guy is boring because we talk about anything besides science or ev like but you, no man i nerd out over that too yeah but no you really um you really you 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 really uh you're, you're a cool guy to hang out with uh you know i'm definitely going to be there on uh, june 7th right yes I have it on my june, calendar yes june 7th that that's going to be it's gonna be awesome, and 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 I, man, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to you being there. That's, that's gonna be yeah. Great. I'm really yeah. I'm really stoked to be there. Um, I think Haley's gonna to try to come too. So we're gonna you know we're gonna to try to come out and uh, support you guys and uh, just have, just have a good time. I'm gonna to try to stay there you know a couple of days so we can absolutely get into some shenanigans. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. I will make sure the kids are put away somewhere so I can get into those shenanigans with you. <laughs> <laughs> They are adorable though. Like they are. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. They are. They are. Well, thank you. Yeah. They're. they're really, <laughs> yeah. They're. They're adorable. But uh. But yeah. Um. Joe. Yeah. I really do consider you a friend. Not everybody gets that title. So. Uh. But yeah. I, I definitely consider you a friend. Well, thank you. Same. Likewise. Yeah. And thank you for this uh, opportunity. I really enjoyed it. it was fun. Good. I'm. I'm glad I we gave you. Uh, a platform to to talk yeah. um, in in a in a format that um uh that's a different way of reaching people. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Yes, Hodges, you you uh, your story is 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 unbelievable and and very um, heartwarming. And certainly, um, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful soul inside and out. Um, so oh, thank, thank you for sharing your life with everyone i mean as you know as you continue to uh follow your mother's advice and and you know made it your job just to say here here i am let let's do this let's figure this out and and that's a, that's a true gift that it really really is thank you thank you so much Dee. It's so rewarding to know that we can all do something with the journey for a cure for EB. If you're asking yourself, but how can I help? Then you've come to the right place. 
Wouldn't that feel amazing to know you were helping families just like Ann and Joe's? Helping families around the world. HallieFlies.com. That's H-A-L-L-I-E flies.com, hallieflies.com. Go to the website, make a donation. Every donation gets us closer. How else can you help? Share this episode with someone you know. We are more hopeful than ever that a much needed cure is in reach.